Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Power Up and Game. This is our cursed episode, and I'm sure Taylor will go a bit more into that later. But for now, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I am Michael. I'm your host. And joining me, as always, my man, my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how's it going, buddy? Uh, been better. <laughs> I think <laughs> you've been better. This is a cursed episode of... Uh, I was about to say Nerds Top Movies. That's how cursed we are. I am nice. just all over the place. A power up in game. I mean, we both Because are. we were supposed to record on, what, Friday? You had some family stuff come up. Thankfully, everybody is good from what you told me, which is fantastic. But then we were going to record on Monday as a replacement. I had something come up. So here we are on Tuesday, July 25th. And, yeah. Here we are. Let's see what happens. Yeah, our, cur- our current episode, <laughs> as you called it, uh, because, man, it seems like everything in this power kept us from being able to record. Oh, man. And the sad part is, it's not like the gaming news industry has been lit on fire with crazy news. And we're pretty clearly in the off-season of gaming news. And it all depends on who you ask, but... uh. I don't know, you managed to find some pretty good ones for this episode. So let's take a look what's on our docket for today. Exomniac Games is developing a new game alongside Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. Some of Blizzard's games are coming to Steam. Worlds and Ubisoft Star Wars Outlaws will be handcrafted. And speaking of Ubisoft, the publisher has come under fire recently over concerns they'd close inactive accounts and remove game libraries access. Thankfully, the publisher has clarified some things and hopefully resolved any concern. And our main topic is actually not about Ubisoft. We'll talk about the latest story trailer for Marvel Spider-Man 2 that shares a new look at Venom and all but confirms who is underneath the symbiote. Alright, Taylor, you ready to get into this? I am, and I love how you say symbiote the same way that... Jenny Slate does in the first trailer for Venom, and it was such a big controversy. <laughs> and I don't know was if you're it? doing it on purpose or it's how you just say it, but I love it nonetheless. All right, so keep doing it. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so how did she say it? I think she says symbiote, and it's symbiote. I and mean, it was a whole thing, it, dude. It was a whole thing. You think Puddlegate was crazy? I don't remember Venom because I never saw one or two, so. I don't remember the first trailer, to be honest. Oh my goodness! Did she really, is it really? Is that, is that really a thing? <laughs> it was really a thing. It was. It was certainly. It was something. Dang. But let's just go ahead and get into the main topic. All right, man. This episode's already cursed enough. Yeah, we might as well. So, just a quick disclaimer, real quick. We just want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit and if anyone wants to read further about the topics we cover. Also, it's important to note that you should take rumors and reports we cover with a grain of salt until they are officially confirmed or denied. Of course, some reports and rumors will be more reliable, but nothing is 100% in the gaming industry until it is properly announced. And sometimes, even then, it might get canned in the future. With that disclaimer out of the way, here's our main topic of the week. Did Sony reveal too much with the latest trailer for Marvel Spider-Man 2? The latest trailer for Marvel Spider-Man 2 is out and boy is it a noteworthy one. If you haven't seen the trailer and wish to remain in the dark about what it revealed, feel free to skip ahead to our next story. But if you have seen it or you just don't care, here we go. 
The story trailer revealed a general idea of where Marvel Spider-Man 2's narrative is going, including who is the alter ego of Venom. While we don't officially see who is under the alien suit, it was heavily implied that none other than Harry Osborn is going to be Venom in the game. So Taylor, two questions. Apart from the Venom stuff, what are your thoughts on the story trailer? And secondly, and this is regarding Venom stuff, do you think Sony potentially revealed too much with the trailer? I want to start with the second question first, because this is something that Sony really has a problem with overall. You can go back to Venom and Venom 2 and Morbius to an extent, and even the Across the Spider-Verse, the most recent movie that they've had, a lot of it is foiled from the trailer. Is They cannot help themselves. And I felt similar watching this story trailer. While really good, and I don't think they spoil a whole lot, it felt really unnecessary even to show us Venom. Really. Like, don't get me wrong, he looks awesome. But also, at the same time, part of me also wishes I didn't see him until the game came out. Because something I did love about Marvel Spider-Man 1 was there's so much that was hidden. There's characters that we didn't know we were going to get and villains we didn't fully know we were going to get. Like, yeah, we had the Sinister Six gameplay trailer that was awesome, but we don't see who's leading the Sinister Six. We don't see what Norman Osborn's role in the game is really going to be. And we don't see some other characters that I don't really want to spoil here in this episode. So... I don't know, I feel a little disappointed in that aspect because I felt like they could have just easily been like, yeah, play the game and figure out. We did the same thing with the last game. Why would we tell you? But this time around, it seems like Sony was like, yeah, you want to know who Venom is? Yeah, it's it's pretty clearly hairy. Like, I, I thought we all already knew this. What, what's the deal? So, that's a little disappointing. The story trailer overall looks awesome. I'm coming around to the new face for Peter Parker. It's still taking me a little while, but I'm getting there. I'll get over it by the time Marvel Spider-Man 2 comes out. But everybody else looks awesome. Graphics look great. The story looks good. Excited for this game, man. It it just looks, for the lack of a better word, spectacular. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the uh, first question first. I like the story trailer. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it gave you a much better idea of where they were actually trying to take this thing. Uh, you know, I think they did a better job of showing Venom himself off as part of their story and not just, oh, yeah, this is going to be like in the movie Spider-Man 3 where it just shows up and attaches itself to Peter. Like, there's actually going to be That's a fair some kind of development. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a fair <laughs> point because it's a low bar to surpass yeah. in this game. Granted, I know there have been some great games with Venom in it, so who knows if it's going to like get above that. But it's a low bar to cross Spider-Man 3. Uh, well, there was also the animated series, which is where most people like myself actually like discovered Venom and actually started to like him beyond just anything in the comic books. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually like that part of the trailer. And as for the second part, I don't think they revealed too much. Uh, because someone actually brought up on Twitter how we thought the same thing the first Spider-Man uh, story trailer when they showed the Sinister Six, and we thought the uh, uh, we thought uh, the Goblin was going to be the one that leads them, and it turned out to be someone completely different. 
And, you know, that could be the same thing here. They could just be like, oh, yeah, this person is going to be part of the story. And, is, you know, this could hint at uh, them, this person being Venom, Osborne being Venom. But, you know, they could be pulling another uh, tricky on us just to keep us uh, thinking one way. And then when we play the game, it's something completely different. Could be also multiple Venoms. It, it, it could be. It could be a way for them to uh, also induce Carnage. You think, oh, man, I don't know if they can do Carnage and. I don't know. I consider Carnage to be so dark. Well, I mean, the thing is, we can't like th- we can't deny that Sonic Games is able. To yeah, they'll go dark. Gnarly they were, Yeah, we saw the first game. We saw Miles Morales. They'll go dark when they have to. So yeah, they could pull that off if they really want to introduce Carnage somehow at the end of this thing. But uh-huh. I mean, if anything, they're introducing them as like kind of like a teaser if it's a DLC or. Probably even like. Oh, uh, you can't put Carnage in DLC, Michael. Come on. Oh, man. yes, you can. <laughs> that you is a Spider Man 3 villain. What? I mean, no, it could be like a, 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 a spin off story for uh, Venom. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But uh, you made a good point because this is something whenever the first Spider Man game came out, there was a lot of talk about the Sinister Six. Like, why did you show it? You showed too much. And yeah, they. Turns out they didn't. They had a lot of other characters and story beats that nobody knew about. So maybe they're holding something back that's like, oh yeah, we'll show you who Venom is. Or we'll show you this, but don't pay attention to this other story we got that you don't really know anything about. It's going to be a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think they're doing the same thing here. Um... Mm -hmm. Before we move on, I do have a question for you. You mentioned you loved Venom in the animated series. Highly yeah. recommend Spectacular Spider-Man. Have you seen Spectacular Spider-Man? I have not, actually. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but nothing with uh, Venom in it. Dude, it's amazing. I'm using a bunch of Spider-Man puns here. But... Yeah, no, no. I mean, I get it. Uh, I, I hear it from a lot of people that it was like one of those underrated shows that didn't get a chance. I think it's on Disney Plus now. Thank you, right? It was on Netflix for a bit. Oh, yeah, no. Disney to bet all of their toys. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling so. Disney probably has it now. But back to Marvel Spider-Man 2 here, so we can tie this all up into a nice bow. Still very excited for this game. I think that they did reveal a little too much with Venom here. But, again, you make a fantastic point just talking about, like, yeah, Insomniac did this before. Who's to say they're not doing it again? And who's to say just because we know potentially Harry Osborn's going to be Venom, that that's going to take away from the story at all? Maybe it's not even like a, even a big plot point. Yeah, well, the thing the thing with uh, Spider-Man is always give Peter problems, you know? That's always been like uh, the thing with Spider-Man movies is to always cause him trouble. So to have his friend, which was teasing the first one, to be sick... And if something come back all healthy and trying to change things, I could see him using the uh, the symbiote. Is that, did I say it right that time? No, you said the exact same. Gosh darn it. Anyway, I could see him using the symbiote as a, as a way to strengthen himself to reach his end goal. Because if he's still sick and weak, I could see him using that uh, the symbiote to, uh, to power himself. Yeah. And of course, you know, Spider-Man... Has to come in like, no, you're doing this the wrong way. You're hurting people. And he'd be like, I don't care. I'm trying to change things for the better. If people get hurt, they get hurt. And so now that it comes to this clash between friends, 
which is always awesome. I'm sorry to say that, but <laughs> it's always awesome to see friends in superhero uh, lore like become temporary enemies because they had a slight disagreement. Yeah, we don't have to wait long, man. It comes out very, very soon. Was it September? I believe. Uh, October, is it? September or October. One of the two. Man, we're so good at our jobs. I know, we're fantastic at it. But, uh, yeah, it's only a few months away. Ready to get into our next story, which is actually Insomniac Games related. All right, so yeah, October 20th is Spider-Man 2. Ah, okay. Oh, man. So, yeah, we're so great at our job, folks. We're so glad you tuned in to listen to us. <laughs> oh, man, but in a now resurfaced interview, thanks to Twitter user Dreamwalker and Insider Games report on the story. And some of that game's project director, Aaron Eberhardt, and I hope I said that name right, revealed a new unannounced game is in development at the studios. Man, these guys stay busy. As the Insider Gaming article on the story pointed out, Insomniac Games started advertising open job positions for a multiplayer game in 2021. If you line up with Eberhardt, and I seriously think I'm saying that wrong, but I hope I'm saying it right, said in an interview, there's a solid chance this is possibly the same project. Regardless of whatever this unannounced game genre will be, one thing that is certain is Insomniac's full play over the next few years. On top of this unannounced game, the studio has Marvel Spider-Man 2 coming out later this year, October 20th, as we just talked about, and the Wolverine game that we still haven't seen anything from apart from a reveal trailer. So Taylor, what are your thoughts on Insomniac picking up another project? And furthermore, do you think it will be a multiplayer game, or is it too soon to tell? I think it might be too soon to tell, just because who knows, unless it's like ingrained in what the game's going to be. How many times have we heard early on in some game's development, oh yeah, we wanted to do multiplayer, but we had to cut it. Yeah. So if this is a single-player game that is going to have some multiplayer, it could easily potentially be cut down the line. If this is a new project that has multiplayer ingrained in what it is, highly doubt it. Probably getting a multiplayer game from Insomniac. Either way, I think it's a win for people. Because Insomniac Games is one of the best developers out there today. They do have a lot on their plate, though. And I am curious. You think this is going to be another Marvel game? Or this is just something else that they're doing? Yeah, I think... Ah, oh, man, you know. Wouldn't it be great if it was a Deadpool game? <laughs> Deadpool versus uh, the Marvel Universe? How would, something like that? Like, how would that be multiplayer, though? That's the thing. you got to think about how... If this is multiplayer... How would it be? 4v1. Kind of like Evolve and those other isometric uh, multiplayer survival thing. Uh, survival so who would you be playing like as other than Deadpool? The X-Force? Probably, yeah. Hmm. You know, you could you could also drip feed uh, players to be the survivors like Wolverine. Uh, one person can be Jubilee. Another one can be Spider-Man. Or maybe like the Fantastic Four. You know, like just... Deadpool versus Deadpool kills Marvel's universe. When I heard this story, I turned to my brother and I was like, "What if this is the Avengers game that people wanted it to be?" Ah, uh, no, I don't think. Didn't they already say they're not doing Avengers? Probably they did, but I, I just said it as a joke. Like, what if Insomniac uh, was given, "Hey, can you do Avengers but do it right, please?" We can't be having people. Checking Square Enix's game is the only one out there. 
what 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 was that game where you were able to play as multiple heroes? It was you and like three other people, and it was kind of like a top down game. Oh, it was from Matt Division. It was uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Ultimate Alliance, yes, thank you. What if it was something close to that? That'd be cool. I love Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It was, also, it's so oh good. Goodness. It is but so awesome. <laughs> it's not as like in-depth as some games like the Arkham series or Spider-Man, but it right. did have that arcade fun feel to it. Oh, yeah. And what if that's like, because we know that Sony's pushing more and more into live service now. What if this is their way to testing those kind of waters with Insomniac? Could be, man. This could all be connected. We talked about it last week. We talked about Sony getting into live service. And Insomniac yeah. could be working on a multiplayer game here. How far does it go? We're starting to connect the dots. We're looking like Charlie Day off of It's Always Sunny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if they are doing something close to, like, Ultimate Alliance, that would make sense to use that as their live service. Because uh, you could definitely drip feed new... Uh, missions and and uh characters in their marvelous filled with all kinds of characters we do get also say insomniac has franchises and they are very creative and can come up with new ips oh, oh yeah oh yeah well excited to see what insomniac does in the future but guess what blizzard's gonna be doing in the near future they're gonna be sending some games over to steam why don't you tell us about it Right, so, in a blog post, Blizzard announced that Overwatch 2 is heading to Steam on August 10th. Along with this, the studio said they are bringing a selection of the games to Steam down the line, and Overwatch 2 is the first to head on over. Here's a quick excerpt from the blog post. Quote, As far as what's next for Blizzard on Steam, we'll be sharing more about potential other games coming to the platform when the time is right. End quote. Taylor, what are your thoughts on Blizzard putting some of their games on Steam alongside Battle.net? Long time coming. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Long time coming. I have so many friends who play on PC who despise (laughs) Battle.net. Now, it needs to be clear that they are not doing away with Battle.net. They are just putting Overwatch 2 on Steam alongside Battle.net. And that seems to be their strategy whenever they put out their selection of games that they plan to put on Steam. Is it'll be on both. That said, long time coming. I think it's a great move. Probably the first positive story we've had regarding Overwatch 2. Maybe <laughs> since its I'm launch. Gonna, and I'm going to ruin it. Why? Why? Why can't we just have nice things for once, Michael? What do you have uh, to because, say that's so bad about this? Because Blizzard only make these kind of moves when they're desperate and they need some kind of quick, good PR. Okay, I'm sorry, man, but uh, I noticed you didn't have it in the story, but uh, Blizzard also admitted that player count for Overwatch 2 and engagement count is down. Yep. So, of course, they need a desperate move to bring those numbers back up. And Steam is a good way to get those numbers back up. Because uh, like you said, there's a lot of PC players who do not like Battle.net. And now that they're getting bought out by uh, Microsoft, by the Xbox team, it only makes sense that they start making those migrations now. Get those numbers up, get those player counts up. Especially since uh, these kind of games are going to be coming to Game Pass in, certain, in some kind of way. Perks with Game Pass. Uh, they need those player numbers to go back up. And where they are right now... 
whether it's on Xbox, PlayStation, or even uh, PC via Battle.net, it's not enough. They're seeing a decline. And what they want to see is people grabbing back onto Overwatch 2. And of course, August 10th is also when they're going to release their uh, new big update, uh, which they said will have all the quality of life that players have had with uh, the console and the Battle.net version. So uh, Steam players will be caught up on day one, August 10th. So it's pretty cool that they're uh, releasing the Steam, uh, the Steam version day and date to their new big update. But at the same time, uh, you and I remember when this when Overwatch 2 first launched and the servers were a mess. And I expect the same thing to happen with the Steam version, that there's going to be some issues. But with that said, uh, yeah, this is a desperate move from them. And it, honestly, just like you said, it's a long time coming, long time overdue. And I'm glad they're finally making the push that they should have made when Overwatch 2 first launched. You know what I'm not going to shit on this, Michael? What's that? This is coming from somebody who loves Overwatch. Who slowly but surely lost interest in Overwatch 2 over the past few months. Okay. I'm not going to shit on this because I know within the next two, three months, I really should have said two or three weeks, something will happen that will cause everybody talking about Overwatch 2 again in a negative light. So I'm going to take this positivity. And just keep running with it. Because this is a positive story. And I know about two, three weeks from now, we're going to be sitting here talking about something that happened over at Blizzard. Something with Overwatch 2 that people are not happy about or what have you. And we'll talk about it then. But now isn't that time to me. Okay, hey. Nothing wrong with that. Don't forget, uh, it's the same Blizzard, not the same Blizzard team, but it's the same Blizzard company. That also kind of messed up Diablo's 4's last update and apologized for it and said, we will never release an update like that again. So, really? Okay, uh... so let me ask you this. Because I've heard like a podcast or two talk about this, and I am, I've said this many times, not on social media at all. What they said is this was a huge deal. Like, everybody was bitching about it. Was it seriously that massive of a controversy, this latest update? For hardcore Diablo fans, yes, because it was just roadblock after roadblock of slowing them down to try to drive up engagement. And reminder, this was after uh, the Blizzard, I don't know if it was community manager or whomever, uh, wanted players to slow down on playing the game. It's like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. How poorly balanced is this game? And of course, players reaching level 100 and getting their characters wiped because of a server issues. Uh, players reaching level 100 in a quickness. Players being able to beat the final boss with ease, even when they're on the hardest difficulty. There was a lot of balancing issues. So this is just more stuff being piled on to something that would have been small. But as you can tell, the more the developers try to fix things or try to change things, they go about it the wrong way. So if you are a Diablo fan and this was like the game that you played for hours on end, yeah, I think you'd be upset that they keep trying to find ways to slow you down, to block you from advancing, from you having fun with your friends to the point to where you're not even sure if you come home one day after work that your character will still be there. Like <laughs> you shouldn't feel that way coming in to your favorite game. So I can see Diablo fans really hating 
everything that's been happening with Diablo 4. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to know because I'm not in that scene right now, and I've heard yeah, some I mean, stuff I'm about not... it. So I just wanted to get your perspective because you are kind of in the weeds there. Yeah, I don't I don't play Diablo myself, but I've known people who play Diablo 4. Uh, I follow people who play Diablo 4. And, you know, I, I, I look through this stuff, you know, the, both the good and the bad. I'm not, I'm not just a negative Nancy, despite what this podcast sounds <laughs> like to be. <laughs> it sounds like it, I know. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I try to find, like, the good and the bad from it. I go through the, uh, the, through the uh, forums, you know, to see, to hear from fans, to read from the fans, the people who actually play it, who put in all kinds of time and money into it, which they've also complained about the... Uh, the in-game currency and the ecosystem within the game, but you know that's something completely different. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them. For a lot of them, it doesn't capture that Diablo two magic, and it they feel like it's better than Diablo three when it first launched. But at this point, a lot of people rather play Diablo three than four, which is something you don't really want because four is supposed to be that hey we're going back to what made Diablo special in the first place. Uh, so hearing fans say that shows that developers kind of missed the mark. But at the same time, there are players still engaged, still making all kinds of crazy builds for the game. So it's working, but they're flying through the game too fast for the developers. And, you know, it's supposed to be like a live service S game where more and more stuff supposed to come in. And if the developers are spending more time trying to fix and balance things, that's less time of them creating actual content. So it's frustrating for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Well, speaking of developers, you want to talk about Ubisoft because their developers want to make Star Wars Outlaws more manageable. All right, here we go. One of our mini stories for Ubisoft. Oh, yeah. This is now... This is now an Ubisoft podcast. <laughs> for the next, well, well, hold on a second. Is the rest of our show just Ubisoft? It is. Uh, no. So yeah, this is now an Ubisoft podcast from here on out. The rest of our news stories. Oh, that's right. We already did the Spider Man thing. Yeah. So prepare for. Oh man, Taylor, you should have spread this. <laughs> we went from Spider Man. I know you wanted to like keep things solid, but like, we went from Spider Man. I want to, to keep Blizzard, everything together. I want to group them together, Ubisoft. man. Yeah. 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 All right, but our first of three Ubisoft stories. In an interview with Edge Magazine, Star Wars Outlaws creative director Julian Goretti, and oh my goodness, I hope I said that correctly. I think you got it. I think you got oh, it. Oh, sweet. I hope so. Uh, said there will be no procedurally generated planets in the game. Instead, they want the scope of the Outlaws to be manageable. Here's an excerpt from the Edge interview, which was first reported on by PC Gamer. Quote, is a crude analogy, but the size of one planet might be about or equivalent to two of the zones in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. For example, it could be two or three zones, but it's not, you know? This sort of epic, the whole of England recreated approach. End quote. Taylor, man, do you think this is a good move uh, from Star Wars Outlaws? I think it is. And I know the comparisons. I think in the PC Gamer article, they compare this to being like, oh yeah, with Starfield and the procedural created planets. I think with Starfield and it being Bethesda, there's a little bit of, okay, sure, Bethesda's recent track record makes you a little concerned, but overall, you kind of trust like 
the big worlds or the big cities to be lively. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of trust there. A little, probably shaking a bit, but it's there. With Ubisoft, I don't know if, if you have that trust, you know? And I know this is massive, making the game, which is great. But if you remember back when we were talking about the showcase that revealed this game, one of the things I talked about was I'm concerned that this game is a little too ambitious, basically. That it's wanting to do all these things, it looks like, and I'm not sure what it's going to be good at. And the here that it's a little limited actually makes me more optimistic. Because I'm like, okay, it's not like the whole planet. You're not going to scope out everything. Cool. I- I'm starting to see where the limitations are. So slowly but surely, the game's starting to win me over. There's a few things I've read about it that's been like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think you can take jobs from Job of the Hunt, which is, I mean, that's awesome. So, I don't know. I think this is a good move. What about you? I'm kind of tired of Ubisoft's open worlds. Um, I Man, it, it, and it's because I am one of those people who are easily distracted by open worlds and just going to random places and forgetting about the main story, which is why I've never finished any of the Elder Scrolls games I've played, <laughs> nor have I finished any of the Fallouts. But with Outlaws, though, like, does this kind of make you feel a bit better because the developers already came out and said, like, it's not going to be the entirety of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. We're, we're going to limit it a right. bit. Yeah, yeah, no, because it's, they're still going with the Assassin's Creed route. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the original Assassin's Creed, like the first four games... You know, uh, but, you know, after a while, Massive has this issue to where they make things a little too big and they have a problem filling that world. And I know they're like, oh, yeah, there's only, it's going to be like two or three zones. But it's like, yeah, how focused are those zones, though? And how many planets are we going to have? That's a great question. How many planets yeah. are we really going to go to here? How big of a scope is the entirety of the universe that you're going to be exploring? That's a great question. Yeah, and on top of that, we saw that uh, in the trailer, the gameplay trailer showed us, you can, of course, get in trouble with a planet, or at least a section of a planet. Uh, so it's like, yeah, how's that going to work out? Uh, are they actually like going to chase me throughout space? Uh, is, does it care from planet to planet? If I leave the planet and come back, was the one that's still there? Like, There's so many things that still need to be answered. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think Star Wars Outlaws looks cool. I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Um, but I'm just not really into Star Wars, the open world games. Just like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of Ubisoft's open worlds. And I think that I have to wait and see how they handle, or at least how they talk about uh, how they're going to handle zones and which locations you actually go to and how does travel work, and fast travel, and vehicles, and especially the side quests. I need to know all of that before I truly get invested into Outlaws, because this is Ubisoft. And again, I like Massive. I think they make some cool stuff. I'm still sort of excited for the uh, Avatar game. So you're excited for Avatar Far Cry of Pandora, eh? <laughs> Again, because I think the world of Pandora is interesting. You know, I want to 
explore the air, the land, and the sea. Because uh, I like the cool looking creatures. Uh, I like the idea of different biomes uh, on a singular planet that you can visit. Because I'm thinking that's something that they're going to probably do. Uh, especially after uh, the way of water has come out. I just don't get Avatar. I, I wish I did. I don't I, I, understand piques, the appeal. <laughs> it piques my interest. I love the look of different worlds. I love the creativity that, uh, uh, that uh, James Cameron brought to his world that is very familiar to our own and unfamiliar at the same time, where it does make it seem like it's a real planet. And, you know, seeing the creatures there is like, oh, yeah, they're alien. But, you know, there's still someone humanoid. You know, the water still works pretty much the same. The atmosphere is a little, the atmosphere is just different to where you need to use an avatar body in order to move about uh, without uh, space masks. And, you know, for me, that, that's what it's all about for me. I just like the look of the world. I find it interesting. The story, yeah, you know, we, we all know the story isn't very good. Yeah, I'm, it, we all know it's, it's just a uh, story about, about uh, taking care of the ecosystem. You know, save the planet, save the whales, save the ocean, save the forest. We get that. Like, that's basic storytelling. The storytelling isn't that great in Avatar. I would be the first to admit that. Like, if you attach yourself to the only story, you're not going to like the Avatar universe because the stories are not good. <laughs> They're so bare-boned and basic, a child uh, could keep up with it. But me, myself, I love the creativity of Avatar. So that's, that's the thing for me. Yeah. I guess I'd say that about Star Wars and the world's there, so to each their oh, yeah, own, absolutely. I guess. Oh, yeah. No, that's also why I love uh, Star Wars. Uh, the creativity you can get, you can go with it. The, the, the places you can take the Force, you know, the things you can do with the Force. Uh, stories, some of the stories are actually pretty cool, you know, and it has unlimited story potential. So, like, you can make a spy thriller. You can make... Uh, you can make an action movie. You can make a slow burn political movie. You can do all kinds of stuff with Star Wars. You know, I I, I really love that about the franchise too. Yeah. So I guess to just go back to Outlaws one last time here, it's just I guess going to depend on how different they actually make. And this is kind of funny because you mentioned Avatar and Massive's making both games. So I feel yeah, like there's yeah. a lot banking on how uniquely different the areas in each game are going to be. And how, like, you're going to keep the player playing. And it not feeling like the same old Ubisoft-isms. Which is what both of us kind of keep coming back to. It's like, okay, cool. But please don't be like every Ubisoft game I've ever played in my life. Well, you know what, Taylor? Ubisoft has a fix for that. All right? What's their fix? All right, well... I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you threw me off. Your Ubisoft's fix is to completely delete your library if you have an inactive <laughs> account. <laughs> Damn it, Taylor. <laughs> they're not doing that. This needs to be said for oh. clarification. They're not doing that. But that was hilarious. I'll give you credit. <laughs> yeah, how's that for my segue? <laughs> oh, man. But, Taylor, Ubisoft clarifies their concerns that they would delete game libraries for inactive accounts. So you see, there was a little thing going around where people thought, uh, people heard about Ubisoft completely shutting down people's uh, inactive accounts and with it, their games. 
So Ubisoft has clarified concerns that they will delete game libraries of inactive accounts. This all stems from a Twitter where a Twitter user uh, by the name of PC Enjoyer, awesome name, shared an email they received from Ubisoft stating, quote, we have temporarily suspended your inactive Ubisoft account and will be closing it permanently in 30 days in accordance with our terms of use, end quote. Ubisoft went on to say this could be avoided by logging in by clicking on the cancel button in the email. The official Ubisoft support Twitter account chimed in saying this and causing more confusion. Quote, hey there, we just wanted to chime in that you can avoid the account closure by logging into your account within the 30 days since receiving the email picture and selecting the cancel account closure link contained in the email. We certainly do not want you to lose access to your games or access or accounts. So if you have any difficulties logging in, please create a support case with us." End quote. Now that last part was very interesting and not in a good way. Let me read that last part again. It reads, quote, we certainly do not want you to lose access to your games or your account. So if you have any difficulties logging in, please create a support case with us. End quote. So, would the closing of your inactive account lead to you losing your game? DualShockers received a statement from Ubisoft, and here is their excerpt from the report on the story. DualShockers, uh, quote, reached out to Ubisoft for clarity on the issue, and a spokesperson told them that account deletion follows a very strict process that takes into account four criteria, with one of those criteria being the account's libraries. Accounts that include purchased PC games are not eligible for deletion, end quote. The DualShocker report went on to state, quote, The other criteria, including the gaming activity of the account, the duration of an activity, and the existence of an active subscription on the account. Regarding the duration of an activity, the spokesperson added, In practice, as of today, we have never deleted accounts that have been inactive for less than four years. But regardless of those other criteria, the key point here is that if you have any purchased games in your library, then your account isn't eligible for deletions. End quote. So Taylor, Ubisoft really avoided a controversy here, or so they think. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I want to hear your thoughts first. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really, I didn't know much about the controversy of this until I started researching into the story. And whenever there was a clarification, to me, it came across as, oh, okay, this is solved. I don't really have much to say. So I'm curious on what you're going to say about this, because it seems like you have a lot of thoughts. I just really think it's really, really stupid. I think this is a way for Ubisoft to bully people to continue to use their subpar launcher, which I've used their launchers before. It is not very good. Honestly, out of... uh. Epic Games, Ubisoft, EA, uh, GOG, and uh, Steam itself, Battle.net, out of all these launchers, Amazon Games Launcher, uh, out of all these launchers, Ubisoft Launcher is one of the worst. It's absolutely dreadful. Uh, so I find it really weird that they would try to bully people into staying on their platform by saying, hey, you have to log in at least once every four years which is really silly because you can easily forget that you may have uh, moved to a new computer and forgot to download the uh, Ubisoft launcher because it's trash and you don't like to use it. 
or because you haven't used it in so long and you haven't updated it that you forgot that you even had it, which I've done plenty of times before. And what's terrible is for some of the games, like with uh, the Xbox Game Pass, you have to have the uh, Ubisoft launcher. So even if you're playing games on your, on your, on your PC, it has to launch on the, on the uh, Ubisoft launcher. If you play a game a few years later, you forget that you even had a Ubisoft uh, launcher and you try to launch your game and you find out that your account is completely gone. I don't know how you would feel about it, Taylor, but I would be pretty miffed that my account was leaked. Yes, they do send you an email, but I would still be pretty hard on, uh, pretty hard over that my account was deleted just because I didn't use your trash ass launcher in four years because there's nothing worthy or anything good on it because they keep changing the launcher. It was a Ubisoft launcher and now it's a Ubisoft Connect launcher or maybe it's just Ubisoft Connect. I don't know. Uh, the Ubisoft Plus subscription is absolutely dreadful. You're just going to be playing Assassin's Creed most of the time. And really, there's no real cool deals or perks on there that makes you want to use it. You know, it's not as attractive as Xbox perk system or the, or the uh, Xbox Game Pass. And there's nothing in it that is anywhere as sufficient as Steam. In fact, I would even say the Epic Games Launcher is a far better launcher than the Ubisoft Connect one. So I don't understand why they would do something that's so anti-consumer when you can easily just try and make the uh, launcher so much better that you don't forget that after four years you had the damn thing in the first place like this should be a wake-up call to ubisoft but correct me if i'm wrong because i'm reading over what was sent to dual shockers and here's the last part i have it in bold here but regardless of the other criteria the key point here is that if you have any purchased games in your library then your account isn't eligible for deletion so what I'm gathering from this, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, that essentially, if you bought any game for Ubisoft, your game, your account's not getting deleted at all. It doesn't matter if it's four years have passed and you have been on it. Ubisoft's not going to look at your account and be like, oh, this person's inactive. We need to delete their account because they have a purchased game under your under their profile. So... I think, based on what I'm seeing here, it does seem like it's just for these accounts that are created that don't buy anything, and then four years down the line are getting deleted because they're completely inactive. Am I wrong in thinking that? You know, if that's what it is, Ubisoft could have definitely done a better job of explaining it. So it does seem like they avoided a massive controversy. What I don't get is, I based on what was sent here, I don't see any problem with it i'm I, if i'm wrong please yeah. tell me <laughs> well i don't think you're wrong it's the controversy is the horrible communication from ubisoft oh that's completely fair that's that is yeah. 100% <laughs> completely fair they could have done a lot better yeah um because this person who has their account obviously like somewhat still uses it or at least still ha or has something on there so from the get the email was concerning because what did this person do that he just create an account four years ago and what tried out Ubisoft plus and did nothing with it. Did the person accidentally get sent the email when they were supposed to be under a different filter that yeah, they probably, bought something like, could yeah. it just been a weird glitch that happened there, which is possible. 
It was possible because uh, well, even then they probably like, oh, this is our mistake. Uh, but what about if you downloaded the Ubisoft Connect? Because again, like I said, with the Xbox Game Pass PC, you have to use that launcher in order to launch some of the Ubisoft games that's, that was on there. Uh, so like, does that count as a purchase? Uh, if I only did the Ubisoft Plus account, uh, if I created that account just to do Ubisoft Plus, does that count as a purchase on my account? Because uh, if so, is, is that what they're trying to say? Like, oh, it deletes like your account uh, and all your stuff that goes with it, such as cloud, such as your cloud saves, your cloud games. Like, what 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 exactly is it? All this is like, oh no, it's not eligible. What does that mean? What are you trying to say? Like, th- that's the big controversy is that Ubisoft very piss poor uh, communication skills made it seem like what I was talking about earlier that if you use the connect. And you stop using it because it's utter trash and you start using other launchers within four years, you could lose some of those games that you've purchased. And that was the big issue that Ubisoft wasn't able to communicate correctly was that the games you purchase are safe. Your account would not be deleted if you have purchased games. If they would have gone that route, I'm like, oh, well, then what's the point of the deletion? Deletion is if you have a, an account, but you don't purchase anything. Uh, we see it as an inactive bot account and we, we delete it to save up server space and to uh, clean up any bot activities. Oh, that makes sense. Boy, see how easy that was, Taylor? See how much clearer that is? The way Ubisoft went about it is it just seems so half-assed, I guess you could say. And I think that's where the communication problem came in was that they had no idea of what the issue was and how to correctly communicate it with their consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with everybody there. Uh, but let's get out of here, Michael. Let's talk about what we're playing. What you've been playing. All right, cool, cool. I've actually been playing Shard Punk Verminfall, which is a pixel art uh, strategy game that, oh my goodness, I don't understand why I wasn't playing this earlier. Uh, but you play as a group of humans and a little robot that is going through uh, a post-apocalyptic world where you, the whole world is being overran by giant rats. So you and your team of four, plus the robot, uh, have to find a way to make your way from each level, from beginning to end, to bunkers. While along the way, you're trying to find scraps you're trying to find uh material to build grenades you're trying to find food uh let's see what else uh yeah you're trying to find uh fusion cores which can help you uh break those open faster uh revive players revive your robot all kinds of wild stuff and along the way you could pick up uh other survivors i forget how many characters actually in the game uh, but I want to say this is around 15 to 20 playable characters. Something like that. Something close to that. Uh, but it released back in April uh, on uh, on Steam. And man, Taylor, I got to tell you, man, that thing is a hell of a lot of fun. I, I, was, I, I got through one chapter. And, I, and as I stopped playing, I looked up and it had been four and a half hours of me strategizing and playing this damn game. Damn. It is so strange. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, each level takes around, depending on how you play, it can take around 20 plus minutes as you try to strategize 
and move your way slowly to the bunkers. And it's because the game is challenging, but fair at the same time. And I love it and hate it. It is so stressful because you start off thinking, yeah, I can do this. I'm a badass strategist. And as the enemies start closing on on you, and they also do four or five uh, vermins at a time. So you're never like truly outnumbered to the point where it's unfair. But it's to the point to where, okay, if I don't get rid of these four or five in a timely manner, four or five more will show up. Reinforcements will show up. And that's how you get surrounded. And that's how you get trapped. So you're pretty much racing against the clock to try to outrun these vermins to get to the bunker. But along the way, you also have to go out of your way optionally to find uh loot to try and get food scraps and all kinds of stuff that you need to move on but the risk is not everything that you try to loot is actually useful i mean it's actually there like sometimes you will find nothing and it is so heartbreaking because you're like okay i'm running low on food but you need food uh when you get to the bunker to bring up the health of all of your uh of all your teams by at least one HP. And this is where the game gets real challenging because your health does not automatically refill itself when you get to the bunker. You have to have medical supplies, which is very limited, which is why you have to, that's another thing you have to find, medical supplies, that you have to find either laying around the field or that you're able to find in the bunker uh, during intermissions. And if you don't have enough, then your player, your team will go back out with the same health that they had uh, in the previous level. So if you only had two, if you had two or three people and you only had two or three health left in the last one, you had no medical supplies, you're going to the next level with two or three HP. And it is so stressful because they keep throwing out more and more stuff at you. At first it's rats with knives and then rats with guns and then rats with rifles, then then rats with sniper rifles and then huge uh, rats with giant cannons and it's so stressful as you go to each level because you don't know what's going to happen next and there are also these things called vermin events to where they put even more crap on you like you might face more rat ogres uh more stress level uh, more stress events will happen per level and you have to watch over your team's stress you have to watch over the hp you have to watch over the morale and certain characters can help reduce stress some can help reduce dread uh some things can cost more dread than others like taylor is so much to keep up with man that i absolutely love this game and just finishing the first chapter i kind of want to go back and play it now that we're talking about it <laughs> sounds like a lot man in a good way man just want that to be very it, clear it, it, it sounds like a lot in a good way at least by the way you're describing it, it, it it's, it's good and bad mm-hmm. because it feeds you all this stuff slowly so like it doesn't throw it at you all at once but once you start realizing how much goes into it, at first you think it's just a simple uh, get to cover and hope that the game doesn't screw you over. Because it is one of those games where the game dictates uh, what does damage and how much because it has the percentage. But it's, it's fair because it gives you the chance to put yourself in a good position to where even when I only had a, 56, a 56% chance of hitting an opponent, I didn't feel like I was being cheated if I miss. Because I was like, well, I, would, I have a good chance of making this shot anyway because of, cer- of certain builds that I have with these characters. So even if I did miss, I didn't feel like the game was cheating me, at least in the first chapter so far. And I'm absolutely loving this, man. And it's becoming so much that when they add in new stuff, 
I feel like, okay, you're overdoing it, but they balance it out by also giving the player more stuff to counterbalance the things that they throw at you. Uh, for example, there's these combos you can come up with while you're playing the game, depending on how you stretch things out. Like I had a strategy to where I was in my sniper one side and my, uh, my, my my pistol my pistol carrying player to another and we flanked uh we flanked these rats that was giving me trouble it unlocked a new ability of flanking to where if you do it again in future runs that you get bonuses for it like that bonus wasn't there before but because i unlocked it i now have a new bonus for it and i have this thing to where i love using overwatch uh for some of my for my sniper and my bigger gunners uh, because some of these enemies they have to move in on you and i love making like i love making them all go into like this one little kill zone so i could take them all out using that multiple times i end up getting another bonus to where if i have two players adjacent to each other and they both use overwatch they get a 20 percent um hit chance so if i had one character that was like at 80 percent hit chance another one is at 70 they both bump up by 20 percent and it just, it encourages you to try things. It encourages you to play the way you like to play because it does reward you for every time they throw something at you. Your, your play style could potentially give you a bonus to help push you along the way. Let me ask you this. Is this, I don't want to put you on the spot and be like, is this your game of the year? But is it on your short list for your personal game of the year? You know, I would definitely put this on my list of games you should play. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you love strategy games, absolutely. If you're not into the big stress, uh, like uh, stressful things, I wouldn't recommend it. It is a stressful game. I, I will tell you that right now. Uh, if, you, if you are not able to play XCOM because of the stress, this, I would say this is far more fair than XCOM. So if you do like strategy games, but you weren't really big into XCOM, give Sharp Punk a try. Uh, it's far more fair as XCOM, but it's just as challenging. So yeah, I would actually say that this is definitely going on my recommended to playlist. Like it's up there. Like it's, it's not a 10 out of 10 game, but gosh darn it. If anybody ever came to me, it's like, hey, uh, I'm iffy on strategy games, but I want a strategy game that I think would be fun. What would you recommend? I would definitely recommend Sharp Punk. Awesome. I don't know who would randomly just walk up to you on the street and <laughs> ask for a recommendation. <laughs> I'd be a little freaked out. But Yeah, hey, what kind of recommendations do you have for uh for strategy <laughs> games? Shark Punk. I don't know who you are, but Shark Punk. <laughs> if you ever see Michael on the street, that's what you ask him. <laughs> you know, it most like it'll most likely happen at a convention when I'm doing a panel or something. <laughs> just ask it. So I want to get into strategy games, but uh, something like XCOM is a little too much for me. You get a, re- a recommendation. You seem like the kind of guy who does. <laughs> well, do I have the game for you? <laughs> but are you ready to get out of here, man? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so this is it. All right, before we do, Taylor, what exactly are you working on and where can we find you? Not working on too much. You can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. What about you, Michael? As for me, uh, I am doing a few videos. I'm going to a bunch of conventions. I just had one pop up uh, an hour before we actually started recording this episode. Uh, So 
You can all find me at Oklahoma Comic Con on August 5th and 6th, where I will be debuting my new panel, uh, How to Start Your Very Own, uh, Run Your Very Own Panel. So I will be busy doing those things. And if you want to find out more about that, you can find me on Twitter at M underscore M-O-S-L-E-Y underscore J-R. Or you can also find me on TikTok at Fox Daddy. That's F-Zero-X-D-A-D-D-Y. And I'm actually getting back on Twitch. I just did a rerun today right before we uh, recorded this. It was four and a half hours of Sharp Punk Vermintrol. So if you're interested in that game and seeing more about that and seeing gameplay, you can check out my Twitch channel at Fox Daddy. That's F-Zero-X-D-A-D-D-Y. Where I play the entirety of the first chapter and you can see me suffer. And if you want to talk to me and Taylor for some strange reason, you can check us out on our Discord. Please come on by, chat it up with us. We will love to talk to you about present, past, and even future episodes. And also, we have a Patreon. Taylor, you want to go ahead and talk to us about that and, of course, our podcasts. Yeah, so our Patreon is a completely optional thing. We're not going to lock any podcast permanently behind a paywall. The only thing that we probably will do is have some early access for Nerds Talk Movies and Lombok Hunters over on Patreon. So a little bit of extra for people who want to support us. If not, those episodes will be out in a few weeks. So again, we just wanted to have something to where people want to support us. There's some cool benefits behind it, like Q&As. We want to do stuff like... uh game nights and stuff like that and like i just mentioned some early access content but if not you're not missing out on anything i just it's personally the belief here that making content and locking it behind a paywall especially in 2023 is pretty darn silly in at least my opinion so we won't be doing that uh, but regardless, if you do support us on Patreon or if you just listen to us every Tuesday night, we appreciate you. Yes, we truly do. So thank you all uh, for listening in. And don't forget to check out thenurse-dash.com where you can find all kinds of cool stuff such as tips, tricks, guides, reviews, previews, interviews, and oh, so much more. So with that said, thank you all for tuning in. You ready to get out of here, Taylor? Yeah, man, let's get out of here. All right, we'll see you all next week.